Welcome to the Leading for Impact podcast, where we spotlight influential leaders in the nation's second largest school district, LA Unified. I am Sophia Mendoza, Director of the LA Unified's Instructional Technology Initiative from the Division of Instruction. Together, co-hosts Jamie Galgana and Francisco Canche bring you the voices of leading experts and practitioners who are making a positive impact on teaching and learning in their communities for all learners and families. Speaking of influential leaders and leading experts, today we have the pleasure of learning from LA Unified's very own Mr. Eber Marquez. Eber Marquez embodies the true sense of the words servant leader. With over 15 years as an educator in LA Unified, Eber also brings with him a duty of civic engagement and does so by leading by example. He not only designs and coordinates strategic intervention for secondary scholars at Maywood Center for Enriched Studies, he is also the mayor of the city of Maywood, an incorporated city in Los Angeles County. Most recently, Mayor Marquez was a guest of President Biden at the White House, where he was a member of a delegation of United States Latino mayors. Without further ado, I would like to welcome Mayor Marquez. Thank you so much for the introduction. It was definitely great. Took me back to when I first started all this, even before I knew I wanted to do what I'm doing now. But it's a pleasure being here. Thank you for the invitation once again. The work that ITI does has been amazing and, and inspiring at so many levels, including inspiring me. My model every single day I wake up to is live life and inspire. And ITI does that very well from inspiring other educators to students, to parents, and I think that's why we're all here, because we definitely want to help inspire others in what we are doing or not doing and, and possibly inspire what we are not doing yet to make it happen. So thank you, Mr. Marquez, for joining us. To get us started, what has brought you here today? Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you've made an impact in the field of education? I was born in Mexico. I was born in Zacatecas, Mexico. Came here at a young age. And language was always a fear for me, speaking in general, whether it was speaking Spanish or speaking English, and though Spanish is my primary language, I was always afraid of talking, of sharing what I felt, what I wanted, asking questions, asking for help, you know, and coming to the United States and starting all over. It was part of my fear of, am I going to fit in? Am I going to be wanted? Are the teachers going to like me? Am I going to have friends? And I really did struggle with that growing up. I was an English learner for my elementary, my middle school years. And for some reason, I think that I was placed in the wrong English in high school. I was placed in an honors English as a ninth grader at Bell High School. Or I think it was a mistake because I remember being an English learner and still being pulled out of, you know, in middle school to get additional support in English and reading and writing. And out of a sudden, day one at Bell High School, ninth grade year, I'm in this honors class with students I had never really been in school with. And I remember seeing my friends from Nimitz, my classmates, and in different classes. And I was with this very scary teacher, Ms. Woodrow, whom I still keep in contact with. She was very scary then. She loved Shakespeare, and all we read was Shakespeare. One, two books a month, and write essays in her class. That's all we did. 
that was scary to me, you know, coming from writing sentences to small paragraphs to being expected to write, to read Shakespeare, understand it and write. And I think for me, that was what made it for me. She pushed me like nobody ever before. She believed in every single one of her students. And I survived her class. I took her again senior year. I enjoyed her senior year class, even though they were still like, oh, I don't like this lady. She's so mean. She's so strict. But I graduated in 2004 from Bell High School. And I, in 2022, I still keep in touch with her. You know, the pandemic has made it a little challenging to go out and, and catch up and catch over dinner. But I think that's what made it for me, having that influential teacher in my life. She allowed me to express what I wanted to say through writing and when I was still afraid of speaking. And I think that's why I also became an English teacher. I've been teaching ELD and English since I started teaching, which I never imagined myself teaching English just because I struggled so much with it. But I had Ms. Woodrow, who was really influential in, in my high school years. And I've been wanting to find Mr. Gonzalez, who was my third, fourth, fifth grade teacher at Ava Vista. I don't think he's with LA Unified anymore, Mr. David Gonzalez. But he took me when I felt the most lost. He took me in when he wasn't only my teacher, but he allowed me to speak Spanish in his class, where other teachers that I had didn't allow my Spanish to be used. And, and I think that was part of, you know, my fear of speaking. But Mr. Gonzalez, wherever you're at, if you're listening to this, reach out. I would really love to thank you for letting me speak Spanish, for letting me be me, because Spanish is so important. Any language is super important. But with that said, I graduated Bell High School in 2004, and I became a teacher assistant at Bell Cudahy Span School, now known as Eleanor Choa Learning Center in the city of Cudahy and Bell, borderline, both cities. I was there at TA while I went to Cal State Long Beach and earned my bachelor's degree in teaching credential, multiple subject credential, and a concentration in language and literacy. Started teaching right after that, 2011, worked for a couple of years. And while I was working at a charter school, I had the opportunity to also be a leader of the school. I became one of their principals towards the end of my time there. I knew that Macy's was already being built. So I did tell the school, I'll give you two years because in two years, a new school will open up down the street from my house and I want to work there. So I taught English, ELD, a couple electives, and I had the privilege to be also their principal there. And in 2017, I started at Macy's as an English teacher, ELD teacher, and I'm currently an intervention coordinator, supporting any and all interventions from academics to social, emotional, mental health, being able to really bridge any needs that our students might need, and even our adult learners, even our teachers and our support staff. How can I be of support? How can I be of help to others in my capacity? I know that Sophia mentioned uh, servant leadership, which is actually a foundation of my dissertation of my doctorate degree right now. It was pretty cool to hear that she said that I love serving. I think that's what saved me other than education, being able to be there for others, see the best in others is amazing to me, which is in 2011, I visited Sierra Leone. I went to teach over the summer there. I worked deep in the jungle, no running water, no electricity. So I really had a chance to be a human being with other human beings without technology, without a whiteboard, without so many resources that we have here. And it really taught me to value life, to value education, to value what I do, what I don't do, what I have. And it just confirmed that being a servant leader, I don't see myself doing anything else other than serving others in whatever capacity I am able to. That's really inspiring. I'm so glad that you had those encouraging teachers who helped you along with your leadership journey. So 
Tell me more about advocating for your students. How does that play out in your current role as the city of Maywood mayor? What does that look like? Yeah, so I actually came into, I, you know, government politics history has never been my, I never imagined myself being in this position. I don't recall having an influential enough teacher growing up in my middle school and high school years that really allowed me to understand and love history and love politics and, and so forth. So I always stayed away from it. Several years ago now in the city of Maywood, the conversation about bringing dispensaries to the city came about and my students didn't like it. A lot of students were well, Mr. Marquez, what can we do about it? We don't want that here. We're not ready for that. We're already struggling. What do we do? So at that time, I was also teaching an elective called Humanities. One of my units was being involved in your community. What is your civil duties as a Maywood resident, as a Bell resident, as a Cudahy resident, as a Southeast LA resident? What can we do? So through that, we learned a lot of what we are able to do with their voice. I'm huge on student voice, and this is where they called me out. I invited them to go to council meetings. Let's hear out. Let's share what we want to say, what we feel, what we think. They found out about a couple seats open within the council and they called me out. They said, well, you're always telling us to be active and do something. So show us how does that look like? So because they called me out, I ran for council and I won. (laughs) I don't think I've even had the time to really reflect on it. I didn't expect it. I mean, being born in Mexico, being able to be called mayor of Maywood, but also to see the pride that my students either present or former students from 2011, or when I was a TA at Ellen Ochoa in 2004, 2005, to see them reaching out and saying, I'm usually the one saying, congratulations, you know, I'm so proud of you. And this time it was the other way around. It's been crazy. And I think that's allowed me to really understand my voice and I guess the power of my position and really doing good with it. Through the last couple of years, I've really been able to, and because of ITI, and learning about technology and the digital divide and the needs within technology and edtech and equity, I've had the courage to even speak up with our state legislature about, you know, the pandemic really allowed us to understand how much we need in our community still and simple having access to internet. So being able to advocate a couple of years ago about internet broadband. We oftentimes, well, it's free internet. If you in this community, it's free, but we don't have the infrastructure to have any free or expensive internet. I live in Maywood and I still struggle with my internet. And I wasn't using the free option or the more affordable option, which is like, it doesn't matter how much money we spend in allocating funds for more affordable internet if we don't have the infrastructure needed to really be able to access the services. So being able to speak with Department of Education at the state level around infrastructure across our communities, across Southeast LA, across the entire state of California has been one of my bigger ones. Early in mid-January, I was able to go to D.C. and was part in conversation with our Secretary of Education, Dr. Miguel Cardona. So he also talked about infrastructure and the funding coming to schools around that. I recall back not coming to the U.S. and being afraid of speaking. And I think I'm, I'm getting there. And I think the why I'm getting there is because of my students, because I see the need in my community, in our comunidad is that advocating is needed. I live here. They're my neighbors. We go to the same grocery store, same church, same parks. So I definitely understand where they come from and our needs firsthand, which I think has allowed me to really share from not the bottom of my heart, but my whole heart, what our people's needs are. So infrastructure has been one and definitely devices. The devices being at Mesa's since day one, I understand that not every other school across the state 
or across the district has had access to one-on-one devices. So what does that look like really in terms of equity, having a device for all of our students? And is a device equitable enough or ready enough to really have our students compete in the real world once they graduate high school? I think it's a good thing that we have our students one-on-one across the state and maybe across the district and maybe possibly soon enough across the nation, but is it a device, what should I say, powerful enough or with the right resources for students to be successful after high school? I think that's my next one where I see myself really advocating for more funding across our schools for devices that our students can really use as they get internships, as they get these opportunities that maybe a Chromebook won't be enough for them to use to be able to learn the skills needed in the 21st century. Because now you're required to know how to use a lot of these technologies that schools currently don't have students using or trying out or sampling trial and error. I think that's what we need to see, or that's what I would love to see moving forward. So that's definitely going to be one of my advocacy topics moving forward. For sure. Yeah. I mean, just having a tool alone isn't as powerful as the teacher behind the tool that's supporting those students, right? I had another question too, just to build off of what I know of you. You're currently attending USC. You're getting your EDD. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Congratulations on that. So what are you working on? What are you learning about? What are your interests that you're currently doing research on? Yeah, thank you. You mentioned something I left out, being able to have not only the tools, but the you know teachers and the adults and the mentors needed to be able to teach your students young and older, how to move forward using technology. So at USC, I'm currently in the educational leader program, and I am focusing on educational psychology. So I'm looking at motivation. My research is behind motivation. So what motivates students or what motivates human beings, but primarily what motivates high school students to want to be better versions of themselves? How can schools tap into the motivation that any of us have or don't have. I think we don't teach our students how to learn. We expect our students to come into our classrooms knowing how to take notes, how to be good students or how to be learners, period. So I'm looking at that. My research revolves motivation and putting together strategies, interventions for teachers to be able to use and teach students maybe through an advisory period where we are tapping more into not so much academics, but tapping more into the human being, into the person, mm-hmm. through life skills, through interventions, through different strategies that students can then use and apply on their own. Ultimately, I really would love to see students want to ask more questions, want to be curious. You know, it's building that curiosity out of their motivation to want to be better versions of themselves academically or just in the world, college and career readiness. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, it did. I'm curious to see how all of that plays out. So please definitely share with us your research findings. Yeah, I think, Mr. Marquez, you are truly, when people say walk the walk and talk the talk, you are the epitome of it. I had heard the story from your principal, Mr. Ludan, and it is great to really actually hear it from the person that did it. You are truly practicing what you are preaching there in the classroom and there at Mesa's and at Maywood and ever since you came into that community. And you mentioned what's going on at Mesa's there, Maywood Center for Enriched Studies, the technology that you had, but how you are using it with your teachers for instructional purposes, right? Your students and just that whole change of like being paperless, right? Using the LMS to its full advantage. 
And with that, I was thinking now, looking ahead, what are you looking forward to as you continue to make an impact at Macy's and with Los Angeles Unified? And what would you like to share with other education leaders? I think moving forward, I'm huge on social media, being able to leverage social media to inspire, being part of the many sessions that you all offered at ITI and uh, the ISTE standards and being positive digital citizens. One of my favorite leader standards is the empowered learner. And I think it's in every single, you know, whether student, learner, educator, just empowering others. I really would love to see our students, our teachers. You know, a lot of the times I think our educators are afraid of using social media for positive influence, for digital citizenship to model what our students should be using social media for, because there's already a lot of negative influencers out there using social media. So it gets really falls on us to showcase how to use social media positively, how to use it. And I think a lot of our students at Mesa's have been doing that. And I know a lot of our students at Mesa, not a lot, but a handful of students are still needing some lessons to also still learn how to be digital citizens. But that's a huge one of my goals in the future. I actually attended a training that Facebook just had for nonprofits, for organizations, for elected officials on how to use Facebook and Instagram to be able to promote events that are happening in the city, to be able to be more transparent with the information, with budget, so forth and so on, all through social media. And it was really cool. I never expected to see the professional development session from Facebook, Instagram on how to use their platforms for good, which was, that's one of my big ones. At Mesa's, we have these tech cohorts where all of our teachers go through trainings on when they first come to Mesa's on the ISTE standards, the SAMR model, the TPAC framework, and social media is one of our topics. And when we get into that topic, it's, oh, I don't think I'm ready for that. Even at least a Twitter. Come on, you need to get at least an educational Twitter. It's full of resources. But even that, being able to spread the wealth of knowledge that we have on social media across our schools, across Maywood, also at Maywood Academy. That's definitely something I want to see. Despite me being at Maywood Center for Enriched Studies, I need to work a lot closer with Maywood Academy and see what I can do, how I can support Maywood Academy, their students, their educators, as a mayor, but also as an educator. We are still part of the LAUSD familia, despite we have different mascots and we cheer for different teams. But social media is one of them. And I'm going to continue advocating for infrastructure until I see it built and ready to go and strong enough to be able to have affordable internet across all of our cities for all of our students. I am excited to finish my doctorate degree. That is for sure. It has been tiring, but I'm about a little bit over a year, almost done. I'll be done next, next May, May of 2023. I am actually writing a curriculum instead of a regular dissertation. So I really want to be able to share that curriculum at Mesa's, at Maywood Academy, across the district, because I figured, who's going to read my dissertation? I don't think people just sit there wanting to read dissertations for fun. Maybe it's just you, Francisco. (laughs) But I figured maybe writing a curriculum might be a better option for schools, for educators, for principals to use around motivation. I don't see myself doing anything else other than education, despite me being a mayor. I don't know if I ever see myself going into a higher level elected official but servant leadership encompasses so much. And I know for sure I will continue to be a servant leader in in any capacity that comes my way. That's so cool. You're bringing so much pride to your city and we're really proud of you too. While you're certainly leading for impact in all the different venues that you are pursuing, might there be any tips for other educators out there who want to have 
a similar impact, even though they can't be the mayor of their city, what little steps might they be able to do to get started? I mean, if they want to be the mayor of your city, reach out. I will definitely help you because why not? I never expected to be here and look at me. <laughs> Learning is so important. And oftentimes as educators, we finish our degree, our career, our credentials, and we leave it at that. I think I am who I am and I'm becoming who I am going to become in the, in the future because I enjoy learning and collaborating with others. ITI is not because it's your podcast, but the so many learning opportunities that you all offer are amazing, but beyond the opportunities that every evaluation that we have at the end of every session, it's like my favorite part is usually the collaboration, the being able to listen to other educators, to other leaders across the district and, and even across the nation with all these guests that you all bring. So we just need to keep learning and keep collaborating. Learning and collaboration are definitely something I leave to anyone, young and, and, and not young. We got to keep learning. We got to keep collaborating and we got to keep living life to inspire. I have really enjoyed how you've talked about the importance of sharing evidence, knowledge and resources via the digital platforms, you know, whether it's Twitter, whether it's whatever you use there at Mesa's. You know, I really feel inspired. Like I felt I knew you, Mr. Marquez, but now I really feel like I know you're at another level because you're just so inspiring, right? I mean, here's a paisano from Zacatecas and now this paisano of mine is a mayor. I mean, this is my first pod with a mayor, so kudos for that. And and I just want to say it's really been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story because, you know, there will be many other students that perhaps feel they need this, right? And, and this is really what this pod is about, about sharing your story. We're sh hoping to share this story with others in the district so they know a little bit more about you. Mr. Marquez, thank you for being a part of this and for sharing how you lead for impact. Thank you. I want to say one more thing. That's something often very scary, letting students lead, allowing for student voice. Our voice as an educator as adults is super important, but I just wouldn't be a successful educator or intervention coordinator or principal if it wasn't for my students' voice. Ultimately, I wake up every morning and I think we all should be waking up every morning if we are in this career for our students. And if we don't listen to what our students need and want, then it's going to be very challenging. I think we've been successful as a school and I've been successful as an educator and in the different capacities I've had because it's been scary. But I have allowed students to take charge and at times to teach this class and to say, you didn't say that correctly, Mr. Marquez. Like that was a mistake and acknowledging my mistakes. And just letting student voice be present and leading instruction and day-to-day, -day, anything and everything, learning, collaboration, and student voice. But with that said, thank you so much. It was great being here. It was great sharing with you all. And, and let's go live life and inspire. Thank you so much. This wraps up a wonderful episode with Mr. Marquez, lifelong learner who has found his voice, inspirational educator, advocate, and leader. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode of the Leading for Impact podcast, brought to you by the LA Unified Division of Instruction, Instructional Technology Initiative 2022.